Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Christian Reef Podcast. Today's guest is a musician up and coming from Newcastle. His name is Aidan Pitcher. Welcome to the show, Aidan. How are you doing? Hello, thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. Ah, it's a pleasure to have you, man. I think, I think you might actually be my first guest from Newcastle, so that's cool. Big love for the Newcastle people. Shout out to Gaston. Uh, I don't know if he watches this, but that's an acting friend I met from, from Newcastle. Um, yeah, let's talk about Newcastle for a second. Like, why is everyone so friendly in Newcastle? What gives? <laughs> I mean, to be fair, it's probably just because we all, we all have one thing in common in Newcastle, and that's just football. Everyone loves football. Because yeah. obviously, we don't really have much there other than the football club. So everyone's all connected on one thing. Would you, would you say like everyone is, is kind of really into their football in Newcastle then? There's like no one that's not really a fan. Like it's... It, from my experience, yeah. it's very rare to find someone who doesn't go to the football. It's okay. Well, how, do you fi- how do you feel about um, what's going on recently with the, the club being acquired by, I can't remember who the investors are, but they're like, I believe it might actually make Newcastle the richest club in the world or certainly the top five. Yeah. How do you feel about that? Um, well, there's people obviously who aren't okay with it because it's Saudi Arabia and the ah okay the uh, the human rights uh, mm. and all that. But the way I think of it, because there's all most people now over the Newcastle fans are still going us oh, oil money and all that. But if you look at the other clubs like Man City, mm-hmm. same thing. They've got oil money as well. So it's, it's like, how can you accept one club having it just because they're already big, mm-hmm. but you can't accept us having it? And I think it's, it's just, like, we're getting back to where we used to be, and I think people are scared of that because we <laughs> one of the best teams. It's true. In, in England, so. It, it, it's always felt quite weird that, you know, Newcastle has always had... A, a huge football stadium but then yeah. you've spent the better part of let's say 10 15 years or something like that in uh championship uh, i don't think it's ever gone um, lower than that uh, and it's weird you know because you know newcastle used to be in the premiership used to be a big team obviously alan shearer yeah. was one of the bigger players uh, back in the day and um there's no reason why it shouldn't be and it's it's an interesting thing as well i think from an investment standpoint i mean it's kind of obvious why all the investments are in the big clubs now in, in major cities in England. Cause it's like for business, it's good. Strategically it's good. Um, but it, it's kind of changed things in a way that is quite divisive and causes, you know, you've got two camps because yeah. it's like, it's great for the game of football in the sense that you've got more money, more um, access to, I suppose, exciting players, which makes the league yeah. more fun, etc. But then, as you say, like, it, it's coming from a source that's not, it's not great, really, is it? Um, just on a, on a side note related to this, um, so in the news recently, so I'm a big wrestling fan, big professional wrestling oh, fan. Oh, so am I. I actually used to wrestle. Did you really? Oh. company in, in Bedlam. Okay, well, well, we'll circle back to that. Um, so in the, I don't know if you've seen the news, but WWE, they will report it's, it's been denied but it's going back and forth right now that it's reported that the, the reports that i've seen it's 
actually the same people who bought Newcastle United. That's weird. Which is a weird concept <laughs> to get my head around. Just ever think of Newcastle United owned by the same people who owns WWE. It's not a concept. It's, well, it's, it's, ca- it's kind of it's kind of like um the well, the guys that own AEW they own um. Fulham Football Club and then the Jacksonville Jaguars in the States. It's so, yeah. it's so weird hearing Tony Khan because Tony Khan's obviously um, he's like Indian heritage, I think, Pakistani, something like yeah. that. But he's, um, you know, he's born and raised in Chicago, Illinois in the States. Uh, so there's, here's this like American guy that's like chatting about Fulham Football Club. He's like, you know, Fulham, yeah. they had a really good like, um, was it like season and everything. And it's, it's just weird hearing because he, he, he does go there. He's invested in it. But it's yeah. just it's just weird, like, because um, they're another team. Yeah, they got they got a lot of money, and and Fulham's a good club. They always have been. But it's it's like it's it's interesting, like how many clubs are being acquired in these locations, and and what that's going to look. I suppose in a way, it will make the Premier League more competitive, which is good. But then, my my worry is is the baseline, how it affects the fans. Do you know what I mean? Because that's always how yeah. it. Because like. Football, the history of football is it started with, you know, mine, miners and, and, and mining companies that like basically put together like a yeah. football teams for fun. Just that, for fun. They had like they were in a little league, like, you know, they just did it for fun. And then those uh, mining Even teams. When they started getting paid, they yeah. weren't getting paid a lot. They were getting paid like a fiver. Yeah, well, that's, that's the thing. Yeah, back in the day, it was just like a pastime. It wasn't really like everyone in, even. I think like the 50s, 60s, 70s, whatever, they still had like full-time jobs and they were just doing the football on the side. Yeah. And then somewhere in like, I think the 80s, 90s is where it all changed and that's where like all the money came in and stuff. But um, that's not to say that like players aren't still passionate because clearly they are, but there, there are a lot of people that you, you can see are just solely driven by money and yeah. it, it does affect 100%. the game. Right. It, it affects the game negatively in, in many ways and it's... Um, like I'm not the world's biggest football fan. I've always looked at it kind of like I, I watch international. I quietly follow my team, but they suck. Uh, but I love them. Uh, Queens Park Rangers. That's my team. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's painful being a QPR fan. Um, but and, and that's the interesting thing about us as well. If you look at us, we're, we're a funny one because we got acquired from debt in I want to say the early 2010s, something like that. And like we were really in debt. There's like I don't know if this is true, yeah. but there was an old story that apparently we were so badly in debt at one point in League Two that the the fans were paying the players' wages. I don't know if I believe that, but it sounds like like it could be true because like back yeah. in the day it was like, oh, but the best thing we could hope for is to beat like Wickham Wanderers away on a Sunday or something. Like that was the biggest hope we could ever hope for. And then fast forward. They to... used to have some mm-hmm. some quite history. Yeah, like, yeah, no, no. I think I think we won. History. We we never won any major trophies, but we we would at one point in the nineties when the Premier League first began, we were a, a big contending, like at least top ten team, I would say. Yeah, uh, and we had some good players, you know, like Les Ferdinand back in the day. Um, e- even in the most recent run, where we actually got the the money. Um, we, but it, it was embarrassing. Like we bought a bunch of players, and they kind of gelled, but didn't. And it's like the perfect yeah. example, like a showcase example of 
what not to do when you get a bunch of money in football. Um, I think now we're doing what we're supposed to be doing, which is we're building up the academy. We're building up players. But the problem is those players, it's a bit of a Southampton deal where they'll, they'll they'll get built up. They go really, they get really good. And then they just leave. (laughs) I remember that that happening with Southampton. Like, Liverpool were the main ones in that as well, who came in and bought their players who yeah. started getting their, like, it's like a money. It's weird. Like, it's like a feeder to like, it. It was, it was like that for us for a while um, back in the day. We used to loan some of the, um, or Tottenham uh, has a, had a close relationship with QPR and they would <laughs> loan some of their like reserve players to us to use who just weren't getting any football. Like won't get into play, and it's like, well, why not? <laughs> if they're there, why not give them some football? Like, I mean, um, but yeah, that that was painful as a QPR fan to see that because it's just like, oh, is it ever going to get to a point where we actually, I don't know, build build a, a good team? And I, th- I think it's beginning to happen now. But as I say, I keep an acute interest, and I've just seen them over the last five or ten years or whatever it's been, and it's just perpetually stuck at like ninth place. Yeah. So it's almost more interesting when your team's doing badly and fighting for relegation because it's like more yeah. exciting. <laughs> you know what I mean? Are we going to make I mean, it? Are we can get relegated. I'm a Newcastle fan, so I know the feeling of like hoping they're not going to get relegated every season. Yeah, like, that feeling only just went away not too long ago. Like, because obviously with our previous owner Mike Hatchley. Mm. We thought we were going to go down every season, and we wouldn't have been disappointed because we just saw it coming. Because he didn't do anything with the club, he didn't buy players, he didn't. Yeah. And when he did, they were like 30 year olds <laughs> who wouldn't have any chance being a long term player who weren't even that good. And uh, he just used us as a marketing thing, like putting sports direct logos everywhere. Mm. Like, he, like, I think he went to a point, and I think it actually happened where he managed to get us to be called Sports Direct Arena. Uh. And it's just like, no no fan called it that. We were just at like, St. James's Park. Yeah, it'll, like, always oh. be, it'll always be St. James's Park. Some so, things think, you can't change. Yeah. I, I think, like, but stuff like that, like, because obviously he wasn't a football person, he was just a businessman. Mm. I think that he didn't actually really understand what the club really meant to us. Right. Because he was just destroying it. And he knew he was destroying it because we were going back and forth into the championship. It's quite similar to what's going on with, with Man U. Uh, all the Man U fans that I, I hear talk about the, the Glazers and their ownership of the club, uh, it's the same thing. They feel like it's killing the club and like it's ca- caused so many problems. And, you know, obviously there was a point where they were dominant to the point where it was almost sickening, you know. <laughs> yeah. And now it's like it's so far the opposite way. I mean, they're slowly building up again, but um, point is, it like took, a lot. Of- it took a while for them to do it. Like, Mm. They they've been away from completely dominating for for years now. Last uh, major trophy was um, the Jose the Jose Mourinho own, um, 
deal, which was, was interesting because he won them a title and they still fired him. <laughs> he won them the Europa League, I believe. Um, and they just still fired him. Which, and that's another thing as well. But like premiership management is just, is just a joke. Like you'd be lucky to stay in a job for like six months. It's just weird. I never yeah, understand uh, that. Like, it's either you get kicked out or you just end up destroying the club by staying there too long. <laughs> it was like that old like, saying, uh, you, you either a hero, die a hero or live long enough to see yourself become yeah. a villain. I feel like that's, the, that's what's happened with Ronaldo. <laughs> yeah. He, he, he played too long and he was the hero, but he played too long. He saw himself become the villain of the game. Oh, so weird. What do you think of that um, move to Al Nasir? Uh, I think that's how you pronounce it. I mean, I think it's. I don't even think he should be at a club by now because, yeah, he's got ability, but his attitude is not the attitude that, you, that you're meant to have in the modern day game. You're supposed to be passionate and. Oh, you can't say he's not passionate. Come on. Well, he's passionate, yeah. Like, <laughs> Clearly, that's that's the problem. He's too passionate like, sometimes. Disrespect in his club in that interview yeah. was... Like, I agree with that. I don't, think, I don't think I've ever seen a player do it. There might have been people beforehand, but... That's true. I don't think I've seen a player disrespect their club like that while they're still at the club. It's interesting as well because when you compare Messi and Ronaldo, like it's it's known that Messi fell out with the board at Barcelona, mm-hmm. but I don't recall him ever saying anything in the media about it. I don't recall him ever dissing the club. Like he was very thankful and gracious upon exiting and stuff. And they obviously said lovely things about him on the way out as well. Yeah. Um. I I agree. Like I think I do think you do have to give some Ronaldo some leeway though because obviously he lost a, a child this this past year and that's yeah. that's going to affect anyone but to be fair in the years prior to that he still had that attitude so i, I would tend yeah. to agree with you that uh, there's nothing wrong with being passionate about what what you do but i don't think it, you should be passionate at the expense of others it's yeah you know like um, I, go on um well the thing with uh, him at answer it's rumored that he's got a contract for it next season we get top four. Yeah. He comes to us on loan, which Man, is obviously Eddie's choice if he takes him. And I don't think Eddie will. You'd be mad not to. You'd be mad not to. The thing with Eddie Howe is he looks for players who have a certain attitude so mm-hmm. he can grow them as a whole. Here's the thing, though. I agree. However, not bringing Ronaldo to Newcastle would be bad business. They just showed in the media like how much um, the club's uh, follow, follow, following grew after Ronaldo joined. So it was like 700,000 before he joins. They're up to 11 million followers. <laughs> yeah. And that's, that's like, you can't talk football and management without talking business. Now that's just unfortunately just a part yeah, of it. It, it. it is unfortunate that mm. that's the case now, but it, it just is. So you just got to live with it. Like you can't do anything about it now. It's gone too far with how much I, business is involved. I heard something as well. I don't know if this is true, but apparently Ronaldo said that he um, 
isn't interested. He's done with European football. I don't believe that for a second. I'm the, sorry. Like, if the there's a chance to play with... About with us was because apparently he wanted to go back into the Champions League so he can get a higher record. Yeah. Why wouldn't Which you? Which I completely see being the truth. Yeah. Even if he joined you on... What is it? Join you on loan, isn't it? Yeah. So you join yeah. on loan. Is that... I, okay, I don't know this about football. If you play with a team on loan and you win, does that count as you winning with them? Yeah. So okay, yeah. So it would it would count. Okay, that's interesting. I I'll be honest. I would love to just see him in a Newcastle shirt just for the spectacle mm. of seeing it. Like it'd just be weird. Do you know I mean? Because I don't know. Like, are Man U and Newcastle direct rivals? I suppose. Uh, we're Premier League rivals. Yeah, but not but not like as fiercely as like Man U Liverpool. Um, our our biggest rival, I, I think you might know about it, is a. Newcastle and Sunderland. That's our biggest yes. rival, but we haven't played them in ages. Normally, it's it's geographical, isn't it? So it's like whoever's the closest team to you is yeah, typically you your rival. But yeah. there, there was the reason why ours is so fierce, like pretty much hatred, is because obviously we're rivals because of how close we are, but we're mm. also rivals because of the civil war. Right. Okay. Because it was the Geordies on one side and it was the Mackens on the other side. Okay. So we all had a clash. So I think that's the reason why it stems to that point. Because it's with the Civil War, it's, it's a religious thing. Okay. Like the, the reasoning behind it. I've never heard about this before. Point. This is interesting. And uh, it was... So I think it's just completely like complete hatred yeah. between us because obviously there was a civil war between us. We didn't really get along after that. And then we ended up being all right with each other at, at some point, <laughs> apart from in football. Yeah. The hatred stayed in football. It's interesting as well, isn't it, with football? Because it's like, you still have those fierce rivalries, but you don't really have, as far as I'm aware, the firms anymore, the, the, the fights, people meeting up to fight. I mean, maybe some of that still exists, but as far as I'm aware... Yeah, it there's fights still, but it's not like because of a rivalry anymore. It's like just hmm. hooligans, like football hooligans being... like. There was a at the Chelsea game, I believe, versus uh, and we beat them. There was a Chelsea, there was a couple of Chelsea fans who weren't too happy about yeah. it, which I understand because obviously losing's not a happy feeling. But it, there was a a Chelsea fan stomping a Geordie's head, and there was a Geordie who got whacked in the head with a bottle by a Chelsea fan. And it's just like it's football. Like we're like one of the most passionate clubs and yep. fan base probably in the world. And we don't go out yeah. because, I, like, I, because we lost. I I don't get that. And that kind of mentality exists in a lot of different not not just in a, a physical mentality, but also like I see it in wrestling, people 
arguing online uh, you know, saying like oh your opinion is wrong i see it in music you know i see it in yeah. fandoms it's like people get so aggressive about this and i get like what you like is an extension of you it's personal i understand that but like yeah. it, it doesn't make any sense like if your team loses your team loses you know like mm. when it, when england lost to france um i wasn't annoyed at the french i was like they just played better than us you know yeah that's it, you know. It's it's mean, I was probably annoyed at the ref because the ref is diabolical. <laughs> but the right. fans and the team, I was just like, well, they just mm-hmm. took advantage of it. Like that was smart. We didn't take advantage <laughs> of it. <laughs> yeah. I and the you. thing is, back onto what you said about how it's in music. Mm. I, I know what you mean because, like, there are people who like. If someone says to an artist, I don't like your music. Right. And then they just go off on them like, you should like my music. And like, mm. and it's just like, because I've had people come up to me before and say, I don't like your music. And I'm like, that's fine. Yeah. Or people coming up saying, I don't like rock music. And I'm just like, that's fine. Then we're not for you. Yeah, I, I wonder that sometimes. Like, I, I get sometimes comments in my live streams where they're like, oh, I, I don't like this thing that you do, or yeah, I don't like this. And I'm like, okay, why are you telling me this? Just just go, leave. Go find yeah. something you do like. Like, uh, like, I don't have any hatred. Like, I don't mind when people don't like me or don't like things about me. Or like, it's, I don't care, first and foremost. Mm-hmm. And secondly, um, you shouldn't care. You know, because there will be people that yeah. love you. There'll be people that hate you. It doesn't matter what you do in life. But, because um, the, thing, the thing in music is if someone comes up to you and says that they don't like a certain thing. Right. And then you change it. And then it turns out there was a majority of people who did like it. Mm. And they're just going to walk away. Yeah, I mean, it, it depends, doesn't it? If you get constructive criticism and it makes sense, sure. I, I get constructive criticism and I can completely take that. Um, yeah. If someone's just saying, I don't like your music, I, it doesn't bother me. Mm, nah, I shouldn't. It, it just makes me go, all right, we're not the band for you. Yeah. Find a band that you are into. Exactly. Like, yeah, it, yeah. Shouldn't, it shouldn't matter because there's a lot of musicians who take that sort of stuff to heart, especially in the modern music mm. industry. There's a lot of artists who take it to heart and people say that but i'm just like if you don't like my music you don't like my music i can't change it so why should i bother myself getting upset about it it is tricky i mean i think sometimes like when there are particular yeah like sometimes there's people that you want desperately to like your stuff and they don't and that can be that can be that can be hard um but you know it's just I don't. Th- I think it's an important life lesson for anyone, especially anyone that's listening right now. Like, try to always remember that. Like, at the end of the day, it's okay not to be liked. It's okay yeah. when people don't like certain things that you've done, or, or you know, whatever the case may yeah. be. Like, it's it's okay. It's not the end of the world. We're not the most popular band in the world, right? But like, we've got loads of people who don't like us. Yeah, but that's just how it is. In, yeah. especially in music you're gonna have people who like you and you're gonna have people who don't yeah which yeah. is a, a lesson that i feel like a lot of artists need to learn mm. is that 
there's always going to be someone who doesn't like your music. Exactly. Yeah. There's no, and there's nothing you can do about that either. You just have to kind of accept it and move on and, and go from there really. Yeah. Like I, I understand like being upset about it and like maybe just crying for a little bit, but then when you start letting it like dictate everything. Yeah. No, no, you're right. You're right. Like you, you can't, I think the point that you raised there about not letting people drive the shit like that, the, your, your fans should never be driving the ship. Like you should take on board what they say. Um, yeah, pay, definitely pay attention to it, but the artist ultimately has to do what's right for them. That's why like, and I, I had to understand this too. Like there's so many artists that I listen to that, uh, I'll, I'll give you a really good example, right? So I'm a big fan of Mac DeMarco, right? And I, I kind of felt like when he went independent and he released his last album in 2019, I felt like it was, I was a bit disappointed. There were, there were some few good tunes on there, but it, it just felt like such a departure from, like, I, I feel like he, he needs a little bit of that direction maybe or, or input from like a, not necessarily a record label, but like, yeah. from from that industry i don't know like sometimes mm-hmm. when an artist goes fully independent it's not always the best thing for them if they've had assistance yeah. before i don't I mean know. but it i don't know like the way the, i looked at the it independent start at uh, part of like music like it's a lot harder than it looks for sure absolutely but what what, what i wanted to drive at just there just real quick is like oh, this sorry. idea no, 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 like, um, hey, it's a discussion, man. We go in lots of different places. That's, yeah. that's how it's going to be, you know? Um, all I wanted to say is that, that I think that it's important. Oh, we lost you there. Like, he's back, he's back, he's back. <laughs> there you go, there you go. <laughs> um, it's important to, to do what's right for you yeah. and to not always pay too much attention to what the, the, the critics will say. Like, you know, you, you're not, every album that you release is going to be different you're always going to get people that say, Oh, I preferred what you did like five albums back, 10 albums back. You know, there's people that will say that you sold out. There's people that will say this, that, and the other, like you got to do what makes sense for you at the end of the day. Um, And everyone's Craig. Yeah. Everyone is. The (laughs) thing with music is that if you're going to do it to the best of your ability, it has to be a thing that you can get lost in. Mm -hmm. Like, especially like, live yeah. when you're performing it live if you're not completely in the music and giving the best show you can to the fans because you're doing something that doesn't feel completely right yeah just to try and please someone else it's never going to work out doing that you've got to take on criticism and do what you can with it and like always be open to it. Don't mm. completely shut it out. Like don't be like don't be cocky or anything. Don't go, I'm the best in the world. Like don't be cocky about it. Take the criticism, take it on board, but at the end of the day, do what you feel is right for you to be able to do it to the best of your ability. Because if you're not doing it to the best of your ability, it's not gonna give a good show. I agree. I think I think also as well, being a musician is a lot like being in a relationship. Mm. Um, both the relationship that you have with your your bandmates or just in general, the connection you have to music. Like if your heart is not in it, 
uh, it's just not going to work out. Same yeah. with a relationship. Yeah, you got you got to love it. You got to absolutely yeah. love it. Because if if you're wanting to do music for a job, like what I do, uh, you have to love it. Because yeah. if you don't, then the more fans you get, the bigger you get, the more shows you will therefore have to do. Mm-hmm. You'll not enjoy it, and you'll just end up feeling like you're stuck. Talk us through where you're at right now, like because I know you're on the younger side. I think you're like 18, 19 right now, something mm. like that, right? Um, so presumably you've been playing music for, for a little bit and, and you know, you're, yeah. you're getting into it and you've, I know you've got a band and everything going, but like talk, talk to us a little bit about where you're at with music and what your goals are. Uh, well, I'll, I'll just start off to like where I was in the beginning. Okay. Where, where I was in the beginning at, I actually was a solo artist doing like more on the pop stuff mm-hmm. because obviously that's just what was big at the time. And I was just like, if I want to get far, I have to do pop. And then I started going, well, I don't really like pop mm. and I don't like singing pop. And uh, I'm just like, but I love rock and I love singing rock. So maybe I can just get people who love rock to mm-hmm. like me. Because even though there's fewer people, it's still a fan base that you can yeah. have a connection with. Like right. whether it's one, two or three people or a hundred people or a thousand. It's still a fan base that you can connect with. Uh, and then... Um, I met the lead guitarist for the band, uh, who's really young. Uh, he's 15. Uh, and it was at the same festival I was playing with a, with a volunteer type band. Okay. Like me just doing songs, but like having different people. Like, Oh, every show that I play. So I was doing a, a gig uh, at Park in the Park. I don't yeah. know if you know that, but it's in Morpeth. Uh, so I was doing that, and then I went off to cool down after it and to like, settle down because I was staying there for the rest of the festival. Mm. Uh, and then I just saw him playing, and I was just like, He's unbelievable. Uh, and I was just like, because with rock, everyone has a lot of a voice because of backing vocals and all that. And I was just like, he can sing and he can play the guitar like a god. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. That, that might be a bit too far, but I thought it was... <laughs> he's going he's gonna to see this and be like, damn. All right, I'll take it. I'll take it. But like by that I mean like he plays with like a sort of uniqueness that you only get when you put your entire soul into playing. Mm, mm-hmm. Like when he's playing, because I know it's playing, you know it's him. Yeah. Which is like when someone's singing it's easier to tell because you can hear the voice. Yeah. But if 
if there's a guitarist that you can tell who it is by their playing because of how unique they are mm. and how much soul how much of their own soul they put into it that's a great player that's, um, a, really, yeah. that's a really good point actually I, I saw some video the other day it's like a collabs type thing where it, it was something crazy it was like oh imagine you're playing like a Coldplay song and then Slash features to do a solo over it. This is like a bizarre collab. But the guy that was mm. imitating Slash nailed it as far as the cadence and the style of play and whatever. And it, it, I was sitting there thinking like, yeah, like Slash does have a very unique style of play that you can't really, I can't think of anyone that really sounds like, like him. Like it's an unmistakable yeah. thing. Like you said, like there are just certain you know, vocalists, guitarists, even drummers, bassists, even like all those different instruments, there will be like specific, I don't know, tones or playing styles yeah. or, or just intricacies, little things here and there that make them unique and make them stand out yeah. and make them, you know, just memorable, I guess. I mean, the, the main guitarists that I think of on like, you know who they are when they mm. play is Brian May from yep. Queen. As soon as he plays, you can, like, rise or just go to another room but still be able to hear it. You'll know who he is. Yeah. Like, because he's just got such a uniqueness to his playing that it makes it so watchable. Like, you want to watch it. You want to go... And admire it. You want to go. He's playing in a way I've never seen before mm. in anyone else. Because okay. Brian May, Brian May, you can tell who he is when he's playing. Um, Jimmy Page from Led Zeppelin, you can tell that it's him. Slash, as you mentioned from Guns N' Roses, you can tell. But then there's some guitarists who are great guitarists in their own right, absolutely amazing. But don't have a uniqueness and just sound like another really good guitarist. That's interesting, that. I know, I know what you mean. Yeah. It's like, it's like um, I saw, I've seen about a thousand million people do like versions of, of Jimi Hendrix songs. And, you know, sometimes they're very faithful to the original. Sometimes they're a bit out there, but generally speaking, I've not really been that impressed. Like, I think the only time, last time I was really impressed was, um, oh, what's the name of that guy? Stevie, Stevie Ray Vaughan, I think his name is, um, who, who would kind of expand upon it. He, he was very Jimmy-esque, but he had his own style. And then there was, there was a guy recently, I can't remember his name, but like it completely blew me away because he took Hendrix stuff, but he put his own style on it and it, it just it blew my mind it was like a reinvention as it yeah. were i think that's always key is like it's I okay covers as well if you're covering something make it your own mm. like, don't just make it sound like the original make it your own and make it sound like you so people can go oh that's a great different version of this song and so this is someone who's good at this song. It's always funny as well, like when um, the cover is better than the original. <laughs> yeah. So there it's are, a bit more. There are quite a few of those. Mm. Quite a few of those. 
uh, like, uh, I mean, this isn't my opinion, but it's pretty much the world's opinion. Uh, um, Valerie by uh, Amy Winehouse, which was originally by the Zootons. I prefer the Zootons. Same. I'm in Zooton camp, man. Yeah. Like, that's I the thing. Like, I heard it on a, in a bar the other day and I was like, damn, yeah. yeah. Like, the originals, it, it kicks us. It's like, like it's, do you know what it is? It's different. I don't think that one is better than the other. I think they're just, they're like different songs. Because the, the Amy Winehouse yeah. version is, is like a kind of, I don't even know what to call it. It's just an upbeat, pop, funky kind of vibe. And then the Zootons version is a very gritty standard rock tune that's got quite yeah. a lot of... Like, the singer really busts his vocal cords on that and just like goes for it. Yeah. And anyone that's listened to the Zootons' first and second album, especially the first one, Zooton Fever, um, there's just so much going on musically. Like, they're an amazing band, seriously underrated. Yeah. Um, and it's weird because like, I guess they'll always only ever be known as far as like for, for having written that song and then for it to have been covered. And hey, look, the royalties for life, you know what I mean? But um, they are an unmistakably brilliant band and um, well, it's, it's a shame that they get more that song just got left to them and Amy Winehouse didn't cover it. I think it would have got just as big. I disagree. I really do. I feel like it was a time... The, mm. If you go back, if you go back over the years, like certain years, like you'll find that there are tunes that are big for that year, but they become yeah. like obscure or like, like I'll give you yeah. a really good example. Like in, um, in the early 2000s, there was bands like uh, Hardfire. There was a particular year when this band Hardfire, I, I kid you not, they dominated for like a year or something, like a particular summer. Like they just had an album mm. out. It was everywhere. You heard it all the time. But you don't really hear it on the radio anymore. There are some songs that, that stay and that get played and, and played and played and played and then they yeah. get eventually transitioned into like oldies or whatever. But Yeah, I mean, like, there's always songs which stay there throughout time and like, yeah. time loops. But that's like very few. Mm -hmm. Like, Living on a Prayer by Bon Jovi. Oh, God, that's that. Always, <laughs> always be a song that if it, if you hear it, you're gonna burst out with the chorus. Maybe, maybe mate, I'd hate it, mate. I think it's so overplayed. I can't stand it. I get <laughs> I it. You know, it's, it's, it's a well-written. Yeah. I think the fact that it's overplayed shows how timeless it is because it's yeah. Or like that, or just like they're paying off the radio stations. I mean, yeah, <laughs> 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 nah, but yeah, it's Possibly. I get it. Go to. There are certain songs that happens. I was talking on the live stream yeah. about this the other day about you know like you got like Wonderwall. Smells like Teen Spirit, like all these songs that it's almost taboo to even play them anymore. Like, and if you do get requested yeah. them, like when I do music lives and someone requests Wonderwall, I would just assume they're trolling. And sometimes people I mean, are serious. They really want to hear it, but I just assume it's a troll. It I think it's because it's become so overplayed to a point where a lot of trolls were using that as a troll. Mm. So when someone's serious with it comes along, it's just a, it's just a troll. But that, that song is an example of a time that song which is like kind of played too much, but like if you hear it live, you're gonna sing to it. Oh but sure. Just, of course. But if you just hear it like if you like on Spotify, yeah, and it comes up, you're just gonna skip it. 
Well, I would. Probably. Anyway. Yeah, <laughs> probably. Probably. Yeah. But it's just like sometimes with songs that are played to it, I think playing a song too much can in some cases ruin the song. Yes. Because it just gets to a point where you've heard it too much that it's annoying to listen to. But that's kind of the whole point though, isn't it? Like there's yeah. nothing wrong with that song. Like the song Wonderwall by Oasis is a it's genuine a great song. It's, it's a, a great, great song, song. brilliantly written track. It's just overplayed. And that's what yeah. makes it unbearable. Nothing else. Yeah, if it just wasn't played, it would be like a tune that you'd want to hear. You know, no, I think, even though you don't like living on a prayer. Like, well, I, think, I hate it because it's overplayed. If it wasn't overplayed yeah. all the time, like I hear it, I I like instrumental. Like you can't deny it's a good song. It's it's a well crafted, structured song. It's, it's just, I think what made it so big was the fact that it was so unique at the time. Mm. Like with the yeah at the start of it, where they used the the voice box yeah. or whatever mm-hmm. on the guitar, uh, and how it was quite very very different actually from most of Bon Jovi's songs, like with the fact that it's quite s- slow, but at the same time, still got the heaviness and the. Uh, it's, it's, I, I know what you mean. Like by all intents and purposes, I should like it, but like I can hear it in my head right now, and I I just I can't stand it. I think I, also I like, that uh, the thing. That, Bon Jovi, like John Bon Jovi's got an amazing voice. For sure. It is 100% one of the best voices in that genre in the world. Uh, But the thing is, his voice, if you keep hearing it for a certain amount of time, Mm -hmm. like over and over and over again, you start hearing the faults in it. Maybe. I mean, I, I look at it more like I just, whenever I hear tracks from an artist like that are overplayed, I always think the same thing, which is I prefer their other songs. Like yeah. take, take Nirvana's Nevermind album, right? Everyone goes on and on about Smells Like Teen Spirit. Oh, what a great song. Generation defining. And they're right. Sure. But that album. It is a good song. It, it is, is but it's song, not but... the best song on the album. I mean, you've got Breeze, Drain You, Lithium, Polly, yeah. Something in the Way, uh, Territorial Pissings. Like, it's a fucking amazing album. And all those tracks on there are 10,000 times Sm- better. Smells Like Teen Spirit is a great song, very well written, but I do agree with you. It's not the best song on the album. But it's, it's, think... it's one of those things. If you go to a, lot, if you go to a gig or yeah. you're in a guitar center or something, and someone starts playing that, everyone groans or just looks and gives them like the what? They give them the why you stand, why you playing stairway to heaven in a guitar school. Yeah, yeah, it's no stairway denied. <laughs> like, come on, like, no, no, no. But it's true. Like, people will get pissed off at you, yeah. and it's it's it shouldn't be like that. But it's because it's the go-to. Like, oh my god, imagine how many fucking talent shows at like high schools around the world uh, where that song has been played. It's been played to I death. I think Smells Like Teen Spirit is just like the re not like the whole reason because it was very well written, good mm. lyrics, like good voice, good instruments. But I think a very big reason on my still considered overplayed and it's played all the time 
is the fact that it is just such an easy song to bang your head to. Sure. Like, the tempo is very, like, you're not going to break your neck if you <laughs> do it. Like, mm. most metal songs. I get you. I get you. Yeah. It, I... It's got a certain vibe, but it's a bit, like, songs can be completely, like, just annoying. I will say, I'll say this. Maybe one of the reasons why a lot of these tracks become so big is because they're so easy to play. Yeah. We noticed that. Like Nirvana songs are really easy to learn. Oasis songs easy to like. It's all basic chords, bar chords, whatever. Like they're pretty straightforward, which makes them more accessible. I, I do completely agree with that. If you have a song that's like really simple and like people can learn it, yeah. On guitar easily, people can learn the vocals easily. Hmm. The, I get in songs where, like, with certain bands, people want to sound like the best singer in the world yeah. by doing notes that people won't be able to sing along to. <laughs> I think people want a song that they can sing along to. I can. If you're doing a song that is completely impossible to play along to on guitar or sing along to, People are just gonna go. Well, I can't sing to this. So because when when I'm in the car, when I'm in the car, I want to. When there's music on, I want to sing along. I want to be like jumping up, but not jumping because I'm in the car. So right, I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm gonna play devil's advocate for a second because I do agree with you. But at the same time, you can make this argument about someone, someone like let's say Adele, right? Amazing mm. voice, right? You could make the argument like, well, I, none of us can sing to that level. Guess there's no point, but then you yeah, still, still catch you. Like, enough to like, sing, sing along to like even if okay. it's completely out of tea or like <laughs> yeah, like, okay. lower down. Yeah, yeah. But, I get like, well, it's okay. Still simple enough to sing along to because like, the vocal runs that she does, it's still you can still sing along to it without doing the vocal run. Okay, so it's more about is, the sim- simplicity of opinion, the structure, maybe. Yeah, we're. we're because obviously, I'm a glam rock singer in a glam rock band. Everything about okay. us is glam. But mad, all right. I, everyone loves Adele. I yeah. love Adele. Yeah. And like when I say that to people, like, "God, I love Adele." Uh, people are like, you shouldn't because you're you're a rock vocal. Because I'm just like, well, she's one of the most amazing vocalist i gotta say i think that's a, a younger mentality here and, and forgive me for saying this but what i mean is like i remember when i was your age like and i know people hate when people say this but trust me when you're my age you'll be saying this <laughs> it's just me. but no but i remember what it was like back then and, and almost like people setting rules like well you can't listen to this because you're this and it's like once you get to a certain age, like no one gives a shit. Like you know, you yeah. can, like I, I, I know people, and I'm myself included, where it would be like, "Oh, Cannibal Corpse," "Oh, Katy Perry," like in the same playlist. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It's like a good tune is a good tune, but mm. I've I've never understood that mentality. Like I had that when I was at school because I listened to quite a lot of different things at school. Um, you know, pop, rock, metal, rap, everything, grime, and then. As I got older and I became like a musician, I started listening to everything because yeah. as most musicians will tell you, obviously everything is interconnected. And once you start exploring and learning about music, you're like, oh, everything's connected. It's all one big tree, yeah. right? And you learn so much, you gain so much and you realize that 
many artists, including pop artists, are often heavily inspired by artists you never would have thought about. Like it's just yeah. crazy to to really think about. Um, but let's explore. Yeah, I, I just want to explore because it's it's not often you hear about people playing in glam rock bands these days. Yeah, like, where, did, where did that yeah. come from? Like, what's what's the scene saying these days? Well, obviously, uh, I was brought up with with like glam stuff because my dad was like probably one of the biggest glam fans ever like Motley Crue, Guns N' Roses, Def Leppard and all that oh, wow. and yeah. like so I was, I was pretty much brought up with it uh, and it's just uh, like you can get lost like with me I get lost in that type of music like mm-hmm. I get completely absorbed into it and like uh, like when I'm singing it I feel free enough to like entertain the people who are watching me like say I was doing opera because I can't sing opera which is awful to you can, you can sing opera yeah wow I'm always tempted uh, to ask the demonstration. Jesus. My, wow, okay. my, my grandma uh, is a massive opera fan. So, uh, like, she had an opera song as her wedding dance. Damn, there you go. Uh, so, as soon as she found out, because when I sing, I've just got a natural vibrato, which helps with opera a lot. Okay. So, I just, like, started playing around with it and I discovered that not necessarily the greatest but I've got a range and a good enough range for opera wow. and now every time because you know with, with singers and you go to see your grandparents or your parents yeah. they go sing us something <laughs> so hey, sing there's me <laughs> and you're like can I like, just sing Sweet Child of Mine or something? And she's like, no, nah, I don't like that music. <laughs> so, Madness. Like, I mean, I've completely forgotten what we were talking about because I went on a tangent. So you'll probably have to bring <laughs> I, was, I was just intrigued about um, how you got into like glam rock, really. And oh, yeah. Because so, it's kind yeah. of, it's a, it was very much an 80s thing or 70s, 70s 80s yeah. thing. More so seventies, and then obviously it yeah. went more to like hair metal in the eighties. But um, these days, I mean, I still see bands like that every now and again, but it's not like um, it's you, you're talking more revival territory now. Really, if it's if it comes back, it will be yeah. revival, and you know the scale of that. I mean, is anyone's guess? But since you're in that scene, that's something that you're doing. Like, I, I just like to learn a bit, little bit more about that. I guess. Uh, well. But it it doesn't really get the credit that it deserves because everyone always goes, oh, it's just about sex, it's about drugs, it's about alcohol. But if you go back to the power ballads of glam, it's about heartbreak and love and it's about serious topics. Mm. That at that time, it I mean nowadays that's what pop is. You just talk about love, heartbreak, and all that. But at that time, rock. Glam was the only one doing it, like, but not the only ones because it was definitely other people. But like, the dance stuff 
it was just get your hands up in the air and dance. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. <laughs> as a glam rocker, yeah, there's nothing wrong with getting your hands up and dancing. Uh, but the, I've just been completely obsessed with the eighties. Because obviously both my parents were in the eighties, and so the eighties was pretty much how I grew up, even though it mm. wasn't in the eighties, because they still lived like they were in the eighties, played the same <laughs> music like they were in the eighties. Yeah. Uh, I actually a vinyl machine right next to, but a record player, uh, yeah. right next to me, uh, with a Motley Crue vinyl in it. <laughs> Good lad, uh, good lad. There's hope for the future. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but it's just a completely different sound to the modern. Uh, yeah. Because like, obviously it was, they used the older equipment because that's mm-hmm. what they had at the time. The voices were a lot different because the voices that we have now will pro- probably not be seen as as good as the 80s voices, but now it's the other way around. Uh, because people just, at, at the 80s, people just want to have a good time. So if they can mm. dance to a song, they'd just go, it's a good song. Uh, and uh, with, with Glam, uh, and how it's like, completely different to heavy metal. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's a type of, like, rock slash metal thing that, you get the heavy vibe out of it. You, mm. you definitely get that angst and the all that stuff. But it's like you can move around to it and you can like feel it. And like there's when you're singing glam, it's a it allows you to put more emotion in than what it does singing like death metal or black metal and all that. And a lot of people. A lot of people might disagree I'm with you. I'm probably going to get slaughtered here. Because yeah. obviously, like, death metal and black metal is not my thing. Uh, which I think uh, a lot of people know about me is it's not my thing. Uh, but I do respect it. And I do, uh, I do uh, think that it's a genre that should stay because it makes a lot of people happy it makes a lot of people feel a certain way and it does move certain people but with, with glam it can move more people in a sense that it's mm-hmm. more of a genre that most people can like get their head around to listen to and like oh, oh not like oh i want to listen to this but like yeah uh yeah. I'm I'm all right with this being on, but like because obviously a lot of people in my family they they like glam, but like they then they hear like death metal and they're like I can't understand a word he's saying. And then on on occasions I have to go to she <laughs> <laughs> because and to be fair, because like I, I've seen a lot of women death metal vocalists mm, who. Mm-hmm. Who are really good and at what they do, and just like you have got to be really skilled, but also you have to love this. 
so much to put the time and effort into learning how to do that because it's not a skill that just comes naturally pretty much like you have to learn it it's true you do have to work uh, at it like I, I can sing with distortion because obviously i'm a glam rocker but uh, i can't sing like that like hmm. and i've tried and i can't so it's just like you have to really love it to do that that's no effect in that sense that it is loved by a lot of people uh in, in a certain group of people who just love metal and i think i think uh glam metal is it's a it's a shame how because obviously it used to be like one of the most popular if not the most popular genre uh at, at the time it was like in the time. Yeah. Uh, and i'm not really bothered that it's not at the top anymore but it it is a bit of a shame that it's considered like a dead genre mm. uh, by a lot of people a lot of people think it because to be fair and i know this if i'm gonna get anywhere with, with but i'm already starting to get somewhere uh, but if i'm gonna get to like a point where people are okay listening to us and not going on oh, like turn that off or are we just leaving the gig mm. uh, it is a hard job because it's a genre that's considered dead by a lot of people uh not by me because obviously i love it <laughs> uh but like a lot of people like have a lot of like negative things to say about it when there are also a lot of positive things to say about it. because obviously being in that genre i know the negatives like i know that in glam they didn't really talk the best about women and mm. but, but then you look at rap which is one of the biggest things in the genre in the world right now uh they talk even worse about it like, yeah, I mean, it, I suppose there's always an opportunity, isn't there, to, to change that? Do you yeah, know what I mean? Like, like obviously, obviously, yeah, we're glam bands, so we talk about like all the glam stuff, but we we have made it uh, an agreement with each other that mm. we aren't going to have anything in our songs which is like talking negatively about any gender yeah. or sexuality or whatever. Like, because obviously it's not right because there are like a lot of songs we uh say negative stuff about gay people yeah. or say negative stuff about women and we don't we just don't want to be that band we want to be a band that accepts everyone uh because obviously you are who you are and you can't change it because if you do try to change it you're just gonna be stuck in a place that you don't want to be in. Yeah, I totally agree, man. It's, it's, it's really refreshing to hear that as well. I think these days it's important to recognize, and it always has been, but I think it's especially important now with the advent and the internet and the reach and everything, accessibility to, to things, music and media, etc. Mm -hmm. It's even more important to, to be conscientious of what you're putting out there and, and to make sure it's appropriate. And that yeah. it, it, you know, like for instance, um, <clears throat> In, in my community, 
uh, online. I get people from all walks of life, backgrounds, you, you name it. Um, sometimes you get like unfortunate, horrible trolls and they try to make fun of things. And um, mm-hmm. like one thing I've always been, been big on is like trans rights and stuff. You know, it's not something that I yeah. thought I would find myself you know coming out and being public about support like obviously i quietly supported it but i just never do you know what i mean like i never felt yeah. like i'd be i always thought i'd just be a quiet kind of supporter of things and and that's it and just and do my yeah. own thing kind of thing but then i started seeing like trolls in the comments saying nasty things and i always made a point of being like hey just so you know i support this fuck these trolls yeah. And I think bringing it back to the music, like it's important to, to make those statements and to be like, hey, yeah, we're in support of this. We're in support of this. Because when, mm-hmm. when you say that, like sometimes people might look at that and be like, oh, whatever, like who cares, right? You know, just do what you're doing and stop making statements. But sometimes it's important for people to hear that you support yeah. that because it's like, oh, okay, they support me. They support who I am and what yeah. I choose to be. Yeah, that, that, that's one of the big reasons why why we want uh well we're not going to put any lyrics that are like mm, mm-hmm. it's a bit like just being horrible to like, yeah to, to like any sexuality or gender uh or race or whatever because we want like people who do dig our music we want them to feel like because obviously our fans we want to include our fans like we don't want them to go oh they won't accept me being a like their fans won't accept me being a fan because I'm trans or I'm gay or whatever and I'm just I just want to be this I want our band to be an open safe space for anyone to be able to show who they are mm-hmm. and like just be who they are because if you're not being who you are as I said before, you're not be stuck in a good place. You're going to be stuck in a bad place because you're pretending the entire time. And the the reason why uh, why uh, I think that people really need to show who they are. Obviously, I'm not uh, like I'm I'm a straight man, but like I have had to hide who I was uh, for a long time because no one really accepted me because obviously. Uh, I'm autistic and I have ADHD. Uh, I've I've got a lot of issues that people didn't accept about me, and I had to hide away. Uh, so where people just went, "Oh, he's thick, he's dumb," because I was hiding the fact that I actually have issues like autism and ADHD. They go, "Oh, he's just a hyper little twat." Or, uh, sorry, if that's a word I can't say. There's a lot of things that people didn't accept about me uh, when I did open up about it. But when I did open up about it, I felt like there was a huge weight lifted off my shoulders. And I was just like, all right, so you don't actually, you're not an actual friend because you left. Mm. So I'm fine with that. I'll find my people. Because when you start, to be who you are, you find out who really cares about you and who doesn't, which is like a major thing in life because you find out the people who don't care about you and you just 
leave them to not care and you just don't care about them, which is easier said than done. Uh, but like, you can start to build the process of they don't like me, so I'm just going to leave and find the people who do. Uh, so that, that that's because pretty much all of the band members, actually every single one of us, including our managers, had issues in the past of not being accepted. Uh, so we want people to feel accepted by us because we do accept everyone. So we want everyone to feel that way. Beautiful message, man. I'm sorry, sorry to hear you had to go through those, um, to, to experience that. Um, if you had a message that you could send to anyone who might be in a similar position, what would it be? Uh, it'd be, um, stay true to who you are, no matter what anyone says. Don't try and hide yourself away. Because if you hide yourself away, you're just going to forget who you are. And you're not going to like being in the place that you're in. So never hide who you are. And never give up on what you want to do. Because no matter what people say is your limit, your limit is whatever you think it is. So if you believe you can make it, go for it. Damn, spurring stuff. Thank you so much for sharing. Um, yeah, I'm just going to hit you with like a bunch of random questions and we'll see, see how you get along with all these. Um, what does hum being human mean to you? It's, uh, to me, uh, it's a blessing having life and being able to go through this journey from start to finish. It's a complete blessing to be able to have that. Mm -hmm to be able to go through this journey through the good times and the bad times, because there are bad times. But then you always enjoy the good times. And even sometimes, which some, you don't even realize, but the bad times make the good times that much better. Uh, so it's a, I think it's a complete blessing to be alive and to be human. Beautiful. I have to say, very wise for your age. I'm, I'm very impressed. I wish, I wish I had my shit together at your age. Like, just, yeah, very, very impressed, man. Clearly, very well raised. What would you like your legacy to be? Uh, I want it to be a legacy of acceptance mm. and uh, being free to be who you are. And I want it to be a legacy of a uh, like. Um. It's hard to put this into words because uh, I know what I'm trying to say. <laughs> uh, just a legacy of be who you are. Don't let anyone drag you down. And a legacy of just dance at our live shows, please. <laughs> <laughs> please dance. <laughs> What's the best advice you've ever received? Um, it's probably uh, from my grandma a couple of years back uh, when I was going through a really tough time of depression and uh, trying to commit suicide many times. Uh, wow, sorry to hear that. Um, she, she, she's gone through the same things as me, which I never knew. 
until I opened up about it and she told me. And I never knew that because she's the most like upbeat and happy person now. And she just said, um, the world never stops for anyone, but you can keep up with it. And don't let anyone push you down so you can't keep up with it. Because if you don't get up after being pushed down, you're not going to catch up. But if you keep getting up after every hit, you will eventually catch up to the world. Whew. Some deep stuff right there. Thanks for sharing. Appreciate she it. Is a, she is a very wise woman. <laughs> <laughs> What's the biggest life lesson you've learned so far? The biggest life lesson? Um, probably that... Um, Whatever you want to do, you can do it, but you have to put in the work. Mm-hmm. No matter how good you are, no matter how good you think you are or how good you actually are, you have to work for it and you have to put effort and time into it. Because if you don't, even if you're the best thing in the world, if you're not putting the time and effort in, no one's going to notice it because you're not out there for people to see. Uh, so it's just work for what you want and you will end up getting it but you've got to work hard and you've got to put in the effort and the time for it could not agree more man could not agree more you mentioned um off camera before before we began that you live on a farm uh, yeah. I've, I've i've lived on a farm before let's trade farm stories talk to me about living on a farm <laughs> Uh, well, first off, as, as you've experienced before, we actually got started. Wi-Fi is awful. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, it's good. It's like you, everywhere around you is nature. Mm-hmm. Like There is very few stuff around you which is man-made. And you can just enjoy the nature and enjoy what what's ended up being created on this earth by a reason that I don't know. <laughs> but it is is living on a farm is beautiful because it's just nature all around you. And also the animals that mm-hmm. are there. Like it's amazing just seeing them every day. And uh Apart from when you wake up, it's really annoying because they're usually the ones that do wake you up. <laughs> when you meet people from the city and stuff, do, do you ever notice, or like maybe friends that you have that have completely different upbringings, like maybe more residential, something like that, is there anything that you notice that's starkly different in your perspective as a result of having lived on a farm? Uh, I think it's more like I'm more in touch with the nature side of stuff, and they're they just walking through bu- buildings every day, and I'm just like <laughs> walking through bulls every day. <laughs> <laughs> so it's just like uh, it is. It is different, but obviously 
there are definitely similar similarities as well. But it it is different with the way that we've been brought up because obviously being brought up in a city completely changes like perspective and all that and being brought up on a farm like I have been like in it it also changes your perspective in a different way mm. because like upbringings are completely different like in the city you've got loads of people around you and you're used to having everyone around you and all the buildings and all that and someone raised on a farm like me you used to being alone most of the time not like in a bad way because mm-hmm. obviously I did and I still do have friends but I'm used to being by myself on the times where I'm just like doing nothing but like because I, I can't really ask someone uh, do you want to go out today unless I want to go miles I was going to say yeah, expedition yeah. <laughs> uh, so I, I, I'm by myself most of the time uh, other than the times when I'm with my band but I do still try to make sure that I spend time with my friends who aren't in the band because obviously but the band's like family like, but yeah. my friends I still need to like be a part of their lives and still be there uh, so it's pretty much uh, I mean it's similar like very very close but there are some massive differences on like how when you live on a farm you brought up pretty much uh, having few people around you and then when you brought up uh, in city there's loads of people around you. So, like, because uh, I, I, I actually dropped out of school. Okay. Uh, um, ages ago. So I was even more by myself than okay. what I would have uh, before then. Uh, and just for the people watching, I don't recommend dropping out. Uh, stay in school and keep yourself educated and try the best of it that you can because uh, you think it'll be more exciting not being in education but it's just as boring so what, what are you doing now in, instead of um, school obviously you're a bit older now you're 18 um, are you are you working? Do you have like a particular career field that you're working on in addition to the music? Um, well, right now, uh, I'm a bartender. Uh, All right. At a local pub mm-hmm. in a village that's just like five, ten minutes away from me. Yeah. Uh, and then on my time off, do music and gig round and all that. Uh, which is a, a weird combination of jobs because it doesn't leave you with that much time mm. to do what you want to do because obviously sometimes I'm there all night and 
but it pays, so I'm happy with it. Uh, but it, it's a decent job, but like uh, some of the people in the bar are just idiots and not not in like a bad way, but like in you know, like a sometimes can be a bit mean way. Like uh, by, the... by that I mean like not really with the words, they just like trying to play around to mm. impress their friends. Yeah. So like, I've been locked in the cellar before by someone. <sighs> yeah. A customer when I was just trying to restock the the drinks. And then uh, there was this one guy, which is a story that I find quite funny. Now, uh, didn't at the time, but now I find it quite funny. There was this, uh, there was this man who he tried, he, he ordered a pint. He tried to get away with not paying for it. And I said, mate, you need to pay for it. And I said, I did. He said, I did. He, he served us and just like, I literally remember it was me serving you. Uh, and he was like, well, just be nice. And I was like, well, just pay for it. <laughs> just be nice. Would you be- oh, just let us off. Come on. Freebie, <laughs> mate's rates. Pretty much that. On, uh, on the so house. I can't. I can't. It's my job. And then after that, he actually went into swing for it. And I'm just like, mate, I don't care how many times you're going to swing it is. I'm still going to keep asking for the money because it's my job. <laughs> Wait, so you're just, you're just like this. You're like, can you... Hey, pint, please. You're pretty Here's a card reader. Come on. That was pretty much it. <laughs> Come on, man. That's ridiculous. <laughs> Any other crazy customer service stories for your time? Um, <laughs> I haven't got a crazy customer story, but I've got a crazy co-worker story. Go for it. They don't work anymore there because they got fired. Yeah. But uh, they were the one to drink on the job because right. the alcohol was there to do it. Uh, okay. So they'd been doing that for a while and hadn't been caught. And, and then I just saw them and just like, what in the world are you doing? There's literally a customer waiting. Yeah, <laughs> they're just having a cheeky pie. A drink. <laughs> <laughs> like, the, like, no, no joke, there was like, I don't know, 15 people waiting to be served and they were literally just pouring themselves a pint. I was just, when I first saw it, just like, oh, they're just serving a pint. And then I saw him sip it and I'm just like, what? <laughs> yes, yeah, so he, he's just like, <laughs> all right, you wait. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you wait, wait a bit longer. <laughs> yeah, it's it's just I'm just like, mate, there's the two 15 people here. I'll help you because I'm here now, but you got to serve them. Uh, no. Jesus. I mean, it's not as cool as I made it out to be, but. <laughs> it's just, I can, I can, no, but I can imagine the awkwardness because I've worked as a bartender, I've worked in bars, I know how it is. And it's, some people just, they're really awkward. Like, there was a guy that was caught stealing, um, in the, in the place that I worked most recently. And it, it was just, it was just fascinating in retrospect because it happened once mm. or twice. So we started monitoring them and then they just kept doing it. And we're like, wow, like I wonder how many drinks they're going to steal. And it got to like five in the end. And then we discovered this guy was like, 
stealing from the till, stealing from other servers. It was, it was kind of wild in retrospect. It was like, I can't believe this guy was here for this long and got away with this yeah. for this long. Like, wow. Well, there you go. People, eh? Um, as we draw oh, things... more than people think in, yeah. in bartending. I think he thought he could get away with it as well. Because mm. I remember what, what, I remember being told about how he got fired. And apparently the story goes that <laughs> the, uh, the manager had some choice words for him. And then the guy said, like, well, how did you catch me? Or not how, maybe not how did you catch me, but oh, what's your proof is what he said. And he said, mate, we have you on mm. CCTV. And apparently the guy's response was, oh, fuck. Like, oh, no, you rumbled my master plan. And it's like, dude, there's cameras everywhere. Like in the particular bar that he was working at, say this is the station where he's working, making his drinks, right? The camera's literally right there. So it's, it's like overhead, sees everything that you're doing. There's no way you could yeah. not be seen unless you're underneath that camera, like making a drink. It's just bizarre. I don't know. I, I guess maybe he just was a bit dim. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, you only get these these type of stories from bar work. It's true. It's true. Um, as we draw things to a close for today, do you have any upcoming projects or some final thoughts that you'd like to share with our listeners? Uh, well, we've got a gig uh, that we're rehearsing for Woo! quite, quite uh, heavily. It's not too soon, but uh, it's on the 26th of August. And it's at Partner Park in Morpeth. Uh, tickets are being sold, so if you want to check us out, uh, they're not too expensive tickets. So if you do want to check us out, we'll. You've not told we'll us the name of your band, mate. What's the name of the band? Well, uh, we're called Les Wings. Les which Wings. Which actually uh, ties in with another thing is actually. Um, we do have a weird inside joke with fans and band members and even the manager, which is a, uh, like, because somebody asked our name once and they went, because uh, we were talking about the band and they mispronounced our name and they're like, oh, so I'll check out Lesbian Wings later. And just like, not our name, not our name. <laughs> You just took it anyway. Why not? Yeah, go with it. Yeah, <laughs> go with it. Let's it, it sounds it sounds always French. Lewins, Lewins. That's weird. Yeah. Uh, so it's because uh, Les is uh, apparently I don't even know if this is true. I just got told that is the in French. French. Yeah. So you just say, like, all right, we we'll just call it the wings, and then we just found out what that meant, and we just say. Like, yeah. So the wings sounds pretty terrible. So, <laughs> pretty sure it's taken so, as well. Yeah. yeah, I think it is. Yeah. <laughs> so sorry to whoever that nice. is. I just said your name's terrible. Uh, so uh, we just went, all right. I remember that I was told that Les is though in French. So why not just do Les wings? And we went, it rolls off the tongue. It sounds cool. So we just went with it. Right on, man. Well, I wish you the very best of luck with your gig and your gigging. And I know, I know you'll do well. You've got a good head on the, on those shoulders. You're going to be absolutely fine. And uh, yeah, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the show. Thank you so much. It's been all my pleasure. All my pleasure. It's been great. Thank you so much. And to the listeners of the Christian Reeve podcast, as always, be safe, be well, 
and I'll see you in the next one.